Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? The NFL season is in full swing. You may not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. I took some action. I lost. I had the New York Giants going 0-16 and hopefully entering the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. But no, they went and screwed the pooch this week by losing to that team from Washington that doesn't even have a name. However, they did open the door for the New York Jets to draft Trevor Lawrence by going 0-16 and ruining another quarterback's career. Who you got in the World Series? Dodgers, first time in 32 years since 1988 when Gibby hit that bomb off Eck? Or do you have the Rays, who have never won anything in their meager existence? From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. This week, we're headed back to the gridiron with another one of the fantastic coaches we have here in the Southern section. His program has been incredibly successful during his 21 years as a head coach. He has multiple league championships, CIF championships, state championships, coach of the year awards. He sent countless players to the NFL and presently, as well as college, presently, I believe there are eight alumni from Sarah High School playing in the NFL Joining me this week is Scott Altenberg. Coach, thanks for taking the time. How are you? I'm doing great, Tony. Thanks for having me. 26 years as, as at Sarah, 21 as the head coach. What has been the key to your longevity there? Well, I mean, you know, Tony, I think with everybody, it's about the place, right, uh, that's had success. I, and for whatever reason, I came as a 22-year-old uh, UCLA graduate when I found this place and I just fell in love. It's just a, just a different kind of place. It's in Gardena, you know, and we, we pull kids from all over the place. It's small. And for whatever reason, I just found my home, you know, and, uh, and then we have, we've had such great people, uh, you know, administration and, and, and families and things that have just come through this place. And I just, I don't know. It just, it just was a great fit for me. And, um, I, I don't think, you know, you put me in a different spot. And I don't know if I have the same success. I mean, I think a lot of it is this place. You know, Sarah High School Special, I always say that. How did you find your way there? Did you graduate from UCLA with a teaching credential with the plan to become a teacher? No, not at all, actually. that's a, It's an interesting story. My dad, though, was a Sarah High School graduate. He, uh, he was, in fact, he was the first All-American uh, at Sarah High School. Um, and uh, he loved the school He when it was an all-boys school. And, he, you know, he would, every now and again, he would take me to games. And uh, when I was at UCLA, I was a political science degree, and I was looking, like, into law and things like that. And then uh, uh, I was done playing football my last year, and I, uh, I, I went and coached at my alma mater, which is Bishop Montgomery. I coached the year as an assistant uh, just to, you know, because I had time. And, oh, man, I, I just loved it. I mean, I went, it, it was just crazy. And uh, I, I said, wow, this is something I really want to do. And then I remember when I told my parents, you know, I was going to graduate from UCLA, and, and they're like, teaching huh okay all right uh are you sure about that and i'm like 
I don't know. I just, there's something about it. And I just loved uh, the coaching and uh, aspect of it. And uh, so, you know, my parents were like, okay, my dad said one thing. And, and that was that, listen, if you, when you go to look for a job, just go by uh, the alma mater, you know, and, um, and I first tried to go to Bishop. I really tried hard and uh, they just didn't have anything. And then, and Sarah was like, man, well, we have a job and, uh, you know, they didn't care. We were a small school then, we're small school now. And they're like, well, we have a, you know, we have a government econ job if you want to take it. And, uh, uh, and then you can coach football. And so I just came in here and then I'll tell you what, Tony, the, the first week of teaching in the classroom, I loved more than coaching on the field. It was just something, I don't know. I just, I just, just kind of fell in love with it and then the place and then, and that was it. And, uh, so I kind of went from there. I, uh, you know, that's where it all began. The, you know, the small private schools and I'm, I'm a Crespi guy and, you know, we were involved with Loyola, St. Francis, St. John Bosco. And, and there's something to be said about that smaller population at a school with that, that faith-based community where it's really a just, it's a big family. Oh, there's no doubt. Tony. And this is the thing about it, which for me, like I, I actually grew up in Palos Verdes, right. And, um, you know, with my, I, I didn't, you know, exactly uh, grow up in the mean streets, right? So uh, when I came down to Sarah, it was just such a, I just, uh, the, the community was so awesome. I mean, it was people from everywhere and I loved it and I just felt at home. And the thing about the, the faith base, which was cool, which is that we're only about 50%, uh, about 60% Catholic as a school, but but our families are very much faith-based uh, and, and, so, and, and some different religions and and, and the kids really, you know, kind of center around it. And, and it's just part of the, you know, part of the deal. That's kind of just another input that you have with them. Uh, so, yeah, I just, I, like I said, I, for me, um, it just, I was just really lucky that I did it. And I was lucky that Bishop said no. And, uh, and Sarah said yes. And then it's, you know, that's where it went. I think Sarah's pretty lucky they said no as well. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm happy. I've only got numbers since 2004 because that's all that's as far back as Max Preps goes. But there was a time where you had the premier program in Southern California. What did it take to build that program to that state championship level? Well, that Tony, that's a I think one is a lot of luck. I mean, what one my dad, uh, Kurlberg, he was the, like I said, he was a you know the the played at UCLA. He was like he was the guy who uh he was all all packed it was pack eight or pack well, whatever it was. Um, he was a wide receiver. He caught the game winning touchdown to beat USC in '65, and and just was a football, loved football, knew football, but didn't you know wasn't a coach or a teacher or anything. He had a furniture business, and he helped me coach. He but really what he did was he helped me kind of figure out what I wanted. When I first started my first year at Sarah uh, in in '99 as head coach, we were like Division Eleven. I mean, we, there were, there were only a, like one division below us. I think we had 50 kids in the whole program, well, maybe less 40 something. Um, and it was, it was rough sledding to go. We went, I always say we went two, two, seven and one my first year. And I have no idea how we won two. Right. It was just, <laughs> it was crazy. Right. And, um, and the one thing that he would say to me is, listen, don't, you know, this, this year, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. Um, he said, do, you know, make, this is a long-term thing. You got to think that way. And so what I did was I took all the coaches that I was my best coaches that year and uh, my first year, and everyone thought I was crazy, but I put them all on the freshman level. 
and except for me. And, uh, and then I just had some other coaches and that, that were there. And, um, and then the freshman team went nine and one with my, all my, my good coaches. And I just looked at it and I said, listen, I know I'm going to take some heat now. Oh, I took some heat that first year. I mean, you know, there was no, uh, for sale signs on my lawn, uh, cause I think I, I, I lived too far away, but, uh, they would have been if, uh, if, if they could have found my house. Uh, but uh, they, um, uh, it was ugly. But the freshman team wasn't. They went nine and one. And then the next year, uh, as a program, we went five and six. And then we went nine and two. And then it kind of just built from there, because you really have to get people to buy in, right? And that was the uh, that was the problem. I had to get these kids and these families. Really, it's a lot of the families too, especially in the private school. They had to buy into what what we wanted to do, you know. And and um, and eventually it worked out and it was just, it was my dad's kind of like insistence upon, listen, long-term, big picture, you know, let's build something. Right. So it, it took a while. So I'm not going to lie to you. It was, a uh, <laughs> I had some, 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 uh, some, some nights looking in the mirror going, now, nah, is this what I want to do? You know, maybe, uh, maybe there's another way that law doesn't look too bad anymore. Right. So, uh, uh but, um, you know, he stuck with it and, and eventually we got, we got there. Now, you've been the head coach 21 years. What would veteran head coach Scott Altenberg tell rookie head coach Scott Altenberg looking back? And, and we always look back and think, oh, I made a mistake here. I should have done this. I should have done that. What would you tell younger Scott? Well, I mean, one, I was very lucky that I had the, the long-term thing that I talked about with my dad. I don't think as a young coach I would have thought that way. I would have thought the first year I have to win. But he, he taught me that, so I was lucky there. But really hiring hiring coaches early. I tried to hire like people that had names or or or, or pedigrees at certain spots or whatever, and they didn't they didn't kind of jive with what I wanted to do. So what I learned as I went is I don't care what they coach or how I care if they're great teachers. So what I learned the most was to hire great teachers as my assistant coaches, people that are that believe in the philosophies that I believe in, you know, and believe in this idea of loving the kids and, and wanting the best for the kids. And, and then, and, and, but, but holding them accountable, but really, really showing the love when they coach. And, and it took me a while to find that, right. I was just getting guys because I, I felt like I was, you know, the NFL or something, I was going to hire the best, this, the best, that, and, and, but they didn't always work. Right. So, so what I did was I, I started gradually, I just started to, to hire teachers that I thought the guys I could, I'd watch them and I don't care. Like a, like a big old lineman, old ex lineman guy I have teaching, you know, coaching DBs. I don't care because if you can teach, you can coach. And, and that's what I learned. And so what I did was slowly start to kind of assemble my crew of people that, you know, that kind of believed in my vision, but also had that teaching background. And I've had probably, you know, I, I want to say, Eight of my coaches I've had for maybe 10 plus years um, on my staff, and and it's been amazing. And that's just kind of the, you know, one of the things I would tell, you know, it wouldn't take me so long to get to that understanding. And I think that anybody that coaches and anybody, when, when we look at successful programs around not only Southern California, but, you know, whether it's college or the NFL or, or whatever sport, it is a consistency with with coaches and hiring good people that, that buy into the vision. And then you get the kids to buy into that. How difficult was it to get the kids to buy in at the beginning when you guys struggled? Uh, it, it was difficult because when, you know, it, with, as with anybody, you know, you want kids, kids will buy in, right? Uh, two things. One, if they know it works. And two, if they know you care about them, right? So those are the two things, right? 
So you can't have one without the other, right? Well, the the, the one about caring about them, I, I think they got. They they figured out. That's kind of you know who I am, who who a lot of people around me are. Um, but the actual you know success took a little while early, and you could see it. And oh man, we were so that one year where we were five and six. We there's how four games where we were just right there, and just oh man, and I just was like oh. And I could see it. You could see it starting to happen. And But once we started to get going, and they basically what you have to do, and another thing I tell young kid, kid coaches is, you know, emphasize the love, emphasize the caring, and, and the success, that'll come when the kids buy into that, the, the love and caring first. And then they'll see it, assuming that you have good, you know, you know football and you, you have, uh, you know, good plans and things, that that will follow. But you can't go the other way. Right. I just it just doesn't work. Right. And I think a lot of young coaches make that mistake. You know, for a, about a 10 year span, you guys were just on top of the world. CIF titles, state titles. How much fun was it? And did you just get satisfaction looking back at the years you struggled and say, wow, it was all worth it? You know, in a lot of ways, you know, I have I have the um, the the team picture of my first year. I have that on my wall in my office, uh, and I keep it there. It's the only team picture I have of any team. None of the state teams, none of the other ones. I just have that first year. 20, uh, 24 guys on varsity um, and, like, 10 coaches. <laughs> and, um, and man, we were terrible. And But I still look back to that, and I see those kids, and I talk to them, um, and I, I, I loved it. I mean, even though it was hard, I just, it, that's part of it. And I think if you don't, if that's not the part you care about, I tell people this all the time. I'm a high school football coach, right? There is no celebrity here, all right? It is, I'm a, I'm a teacher of high school kids. And so that part, you have to have that mentality, right? Otherwise, I mean, then go to college or go to pros, make your millions and do that. But if you want to be a service person, a person of service, which is what high school coaches are, then be there. But you can't get into all the other stuff. And and so when we started to win, I just, I, if winning's fun, I love, I'm very competitive. I mean, I think you have to have that. And it's just a lot of fun to win, but it's, the struggle is also a lot of fun, you know? And, and I think that, that, that that's the part where I, um, you know, I try to just remind myself, especially lately when we've had some kind of middling years here where we've been, you know, fighting against, good, fighting a good fight. I mean, against programs that are, you know, 10 times the size of our school with 200 times the budget. And yet, you know, we're still out there, you know, swinging away. Um, I, I got to remind myself about that because it, it is the struggle, you know, and, and, and I liked it. And then, and the winning and having those great kids and, and, and the success was awesome, but it can't just be about that because we had some games in the last few years that where we won a game to go, you know, to get our sixth win that to me, it felt like a state title, you know, because it was against odds and and our kids kind of battled and, and, and they were we were undermanned. And yet we still found a way. And, and to me, that was a lot of, you know, that that had a lot of like um, uh, uh, success to that to me. It's a school with one hundred and eighty five boys. And when you look at a football program, like you take some of the bigger programs in Southern California, they have that many in their whole program. You have that in your school. How difficult is it for you to get kids out there that that have maybe a, some football playing experience or or none at all? Are you just pulling kids from everywhere? 
Well, it, it, it's it's a good point because uh, we've kind of run into two two things uh, as of late in the last like five six years, and and it's really two two things have made it more difficult for us. And one is, uh, you know, we're we're playing in the highest division, right? Against you know wonderful programs. I mean, amazing, amazing facilities, amazing coaches, amazing you know funding and and numbers and all that stuff and. And I appreciate them. And you, I, I tell my coach, I say, listen, you got to be ready to go because these, no matter what, you're going to go against some great coaches, some great players, super deep. So that was the number one thing. But the other thing is, is the whole, you know, all, as the concussion stuff has happened in the last five, six years, and as understanding of that um, has come about and what people are learning about, you know, what, you know, what happens and, and, and all the CT and everything, it's also made it a lot harder to get the kid who comes to high school with without the intention of playing football or maybe to start in high school. Those don't exist as much. That, we used to live off that, right? Now, we of course, we had the Robert Woods and the Marquise Lees and the Adore Jackson, but we also had really good football players who had never played football before, right? And they came to school and they um, and they looked at the program and they said, oh, this is cool, right? I, you know, I, I think the Ayanacho brothers, right? I had three of them. Uh, Carl, Duke, uh, and Glenn, and two of them went and played in the NFL. And they'd never played football. Carl, until his senior year, he was a basketball player. We just pulled him out, gets a full ride to San Jose State, plays for the Raiders for three years. Duke played only two years because he was one year younger than Carl. We pulled him off the basketball court. He came. He played in the, in the Super Bowl. And then Glenn played a little longer because he was the youngest, got a full ride to Oregon. And those kids – that was that's a lot of our program, right? And those kids aren't there anymore, right? As as a lot of this happens, you know, we're not getting that kid. If you're not coming in to to school with an eye to play football, it is hard to convince them to come out, you know, with everything. So uh, that's been a that's been a real difficult aspect. So for us, especially when you got 185 kids in the school, you know, you're not going to get you know, a hundred kids coming out, like to say, I'm just coming to football. You have to rely on those other kids who sometimes turn out to be fantastic. And, and this is not happening. So it's difficult. And that's just a testament to what you guys do there. You take in a lot of schools do that where you, you take the kids that have never done it before. You see these kids that are athletes, you put them out on the football field and they just thrive. Yep. And, speaking and it, it is, it is, it is something, right. It's um, but you know, there again, if you can teach, right, and I think a lot of my coaches do, um, all of my coaches do a great job doing that, they kind of learn and understand, and they, and they can do well. You mentioned some specific players, you know, and, and you've been blessed with offensive talent, especially at the wide receiver position. Dory Jackson, uh, Farmer, Robert Woods, Marquise Lee. When did you see how great those kids could be? Was it early on or was it maybe around junior year? Well, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, Tony. I'm, uh, being a good coach is a lot about finding good players. I mean, it's, you know, it's especially at, at the level that we play at. Every you, every team's got great coaches. So it does come down to the players in the end. But uh, I remember Robert Woods was a eighth grader, um, and he was they were playing baseball on our field, uh, one of these eighth grade teams. He was a baseball player. He played, played a little Pop Warner football, too. But he was playing baseball, and I walked out there, and I saw him playing a little bit. And he came, he walked up to me, he said, hey, coach, uh, I'm Robert Woods, and I'm, um, I think I'm going to come here next year. It's between this and, uh, I think, Carson or something. 
He goes, but I'm, but I love football too. And I go, all right. He goes, but I'm, a, I'm gonna be really good. I'm like, and and if you know Robert, that's not something. He's not a, a boastful guy. And I said, all right. I said, so right away, I love. That's one of the things I love about. It. I love the confidence, but not like arrogant confidence, but but a but a a backed up confidence. I don't know how to explain it real right now, but um, he and he just had that, and and then. And then as a freshman, I put him on the freshman team and he was just lights out. And then about week eight, we had three guys go down. Ironically, we were playing uh, my old alma mater, Bishop Montgomery. And I said, all right, Robert, uh, I'm going to come up and you're going to, you know, get, get some reps at wide receiver. And he scored two touchdowns on like four touches. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe this guy's going to be all right. And, you know, it kind of went from there. Right? A similar story with, with Marquise. And George and um, and uh, uh, Adori. I mean, they just—it's not just about being fantastic, a fantastic athlete, but you all—they all also have a, a similar kind of outlook on how to approach things, right? Um, which is that they're they're very um, meticulous and 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 they and they want to compete. They really want to compete, and and they don't care about the 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 boasting of it more than they care about actually winning and doing that. That's a big thing for me. So I've had a lot of kids who've been fantastically talented, but they care more about, you know, the, the, you know, the, 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 what the, the stats say or what the, you know, what the press says. And those kids are, they don't, they don't do as well for as long. And, and these, all these kids have the same DNA, you know? And, and I think that that's been like one of the things, again, we talk about like, like the kind of kid, you know, and you say, I try to say like, as a coach, I don't want to be, you know, I, this is what we do. We only do this. No, no, I, I'm a high school coach. I got to coach with what I got. So if, if I come with three, three running backs and, and seven linemen, then we're going to run the wishbone, man. We're going to do it because that's all we got. Right. So we're going to do what we got to do to win. Um, but you do start to get a kind of kid, uh, a personality and a, and a type that fits who you are and what your program is. And that's what all these kids are. I can put them in a in a duplicating machine, and they all are very similar. You mentioned Robert Woods and the athletic ability that he had in the as a wide receiver, and we all know him as a wide receiver. But he didn't start on offense. He was he was a defensive back, and I right. believe on that 0-9 team, he had almost a hundred tackles, six interceptions. Did that just a testament to how special he was as an athlete? Oh. He was unbelievable. And, and again, uh, but so the thing is, he, he was also had like 90 or 80 catches or 81 catches. And I mean, he had a fantastic year as a receiver and as a free safety uh, kickoff team. Um, and by the way, I think uh, went to the state finals in the 400 and I think lost by a, a, a hair to the state champion, ran like a 45. I was ridiculous. He's just an amazing person. And um, but, you know, kind of a kind of a young man who understood right away what it took and then wanted to, you know, kind of, kind of really start. I think I started to like understand the, the Sarah, the Sarah guy from him. Like I had had him before, but I didn't really, I didn't, it didn't really come in such a package until him where I understood, you know, this is what it is, right? This confidence, this, this, but there's also this willingness to really want to work and you win something. Let's say you win a, a, um, a, a 40 yard race when we were doing sprints, but looking around and going, wait a minute, I'm not going up against Marquise 
or Benet or I need to do that. I need to beat them. I don't, I don't care if I beat guys that I know I can beat. I need to beat the best. And so that kind of that idea looking for competition, right. To make, not to, to, to just to win and, 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 and glorify yourself, but looking for competition to get better. And that's kind of where Robert like really taught me what that was like. And I always knew it and, and I always saw it, but I, I, I kind of put it in a package and, and he was the first to do that. You've had some great teams over the years. And with those teams, you've had some epic battles uh, with other teams in the Southern section. Yeah. Some that come to mind for me right away are the battles you had with Oaks Christian and, and Chaminade, you know, the year that Oaks beats you, then they beat you the next year. Then you get your revenge. What, what was it like going into those games and how did you prepare the kids to get over that mental hump to say, hey, finally, guys, when we step on the field, we've got to believe we can beat these guys. Well, the Oaks one was awesome because first you had, you had great coach. Bill was an amazing uh, Riddell. He was an amazing coach. And um, and he also was a friend of my dad's, which is kind of ironic because it was, it, was, it was pretty funny. He would talk because they used to work out together before, um, before the NFL draft. Uh, so he would tell me the story every time. Uh, but just an amazing coach. I mean, talk about like a guy who saw what needed to be done and then, you know, made it happen. He was he was something else. And so they had just amazing teams. I mean, they were they were loaded. We were loaded, but they were they had a better they were better up front. Right. And so early on when they played us, you know, the first year they got us, we, we had not you know, we had not seen a team like them. And they they just they controlled the last scrimmage. And I say, OK, go back to the drawing board. The next year, we both go undefeated. We meet in the title title game. I feel really good about the game. We're at their place, um, and the game's going well. It's really close. There's about two minutes in the, before the half's over, and I'm like, all right, we're scoring. They're scoring, and I feel like, okay, well, we're just not, you know, we, we're not stopping them enough. And then, man, all of a sudden, they, they put, they score too quick. Well, we turn the ball over, and they score, and they score again, and then, all of a sudden, they just run away from us, and they blow us out. And it was heartbreaking right there. And I remember going out after that game, and it was ironic because I was sitting with Robert, and he was sitting on the the, the the bench outside of their little locker room. I can see it to this day because it's like a eight-foot, like, you, know, you got to go down a hill, and, like, half the guys fall down. It's it's rough. And I remember sitting at this, uh, this bench with him, and he's just like, Coach, I didn't see that coming. I said, yep, I didn't see that either. And he goes, well, what are we going to do? <laughs> and I said, all right. And that was it. And then so I just went to work. And then and then my coaches went to work. We all got to work. And, and literally the next year, we prepared the entire year for that game. And I knew and Bill was an amazing, you know, film, you know, watcher. Like he would like I would talk to him and he would reference a play we would run or a defense we would run from like week two against somebody be, we beat 70 to something, nothing. And he knew it, he saw it all. So I said, all right, I'm going to use that. Right. And, and we, so we kind of set up that game, that, that epic, that big 2009 freaking um, overtime victory. We set up everything we did, right. Because like plays we ran, we held things and uh, we did these different reverses and quarterback runs and our quarterback Connor Preston was, was amazing uh, brain. And he also had great, um, great uh, accuracy and just real tough kid. So we had kind of set up a bunch for that game and uh, just to kind of work. And it all worked. And unfortunately, 
all they were doing the same thing because they scored 40 some, we scored 40 some, and we end up winning a, a, right at the end. But um, it was just amazing. And it, just to beat them there. Um, and of course, Bill before the game said, Oh, you know, Scott, I'm, this is our last. This is my last. You don't want to, I'm going to retire. You know, he's, and this can be my last. You don't want this to be my last game. And I said, You know what, Bill? You've been retiring for like 10 years. So <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to beat you and then uh, we'll do it again next year. Right. And then, <laughs> so, um, but he, uh, yeah, it's just a great, just against competitive teams are, are amazing. That was, that was a fun, fun time, uh, that, that win. But I remember we spent a whole year that really started with me and Woody on the bench after the, 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 the disappointing loss. We just said that one thing, well, what are we going to do? And then I just said, you know what? And I did. And my wife would, would say, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting ready. And this was like the day after, you know, in December of 08, getting ready for what am I going to do? And how am I going to, um, like get it? Like what my coach is going to do, and what I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to set it up so that we're not wanting at the end of this game. And uh, you know, it worked out. So it was, it was yeah. very exciting. And Bill is one of those guys. And I used, I coached with Bill back in the '80s. And I, I tell people I was the part of his coaching tree that didn't branch, but <laughs> he could sell ice to an Eskimo twice yeah. and raise the price the third time, and they'd yeah. still buy it. Um, you know, we've talked about this over the years where you guys have changed, your divisions have changed, your league has changed. And I remember you telling me when you guys moved way, way up that you were going to have to convince and tell your parents, hey, we're going to lose a few games here because it's not going to be as easy. How did they take to that when you guys moved up? Were, were they were people happy that you guys were moving up because it just showed how successful you guys were? Well, yeah, it's it's one. I love to, uh, I love the division we're in. I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, we work really hard. Our kids work hard, and I say we really want you know to be able to play in a great game is such a blessing, right? And to play a great team, we want that. I mean, you know, in the end, it's high school football. If you get an opportunity to play against a great team or to to challenge yourself, you know, and I just think it's it's a lot better than you know beating some team fifty six to nothing. But the problem is our parents certainly were used to, I mean, I think we won 30 games in a row, one stretch. And then, you know, so they were used to kind of, you know, having their way. Well, the problem with this, this the division, you know, this, this top division is week to week, you really have to have a lot of depth. And that's where we've been in trouble. Like the last few years, we've had some really good teams, but we've also we, we can't get, you know, we've had such, you know, injuries, but everyone has them. We just don't have the guys to come in that, uh, you know, when those other guys get hurt. I remember when we were going to play Matt at Centennial and, um, you know, Rasheem Green, who plays for the Seattle Seahawks, defensive lineman, was having an, an amazing year. And I'm thinking, okay, and we're about to play, you know, we're going we're gonna to go to the, the Division One playoffs. It's going to be amazing. And he tears his ACL the last quarter of the last game on a nothing. And I'm like, oh, my. And then we go to the playoffs against Centennial, you know, and try to play without our, our big stud. Our other kid, uh, uh, Wale, was banged up. Our, our you know, and, and we, it's, the game was amazing. It was 68-65. It was just a fantastic game. But nobody stopped anybody. It would have been nice to have Rasheem there, right? But we, but that's been our thing. Or we had this great team a few years back. We ended up losing to Santa Margarita in the first round of the the playoffs. But we had lost three offensive linemen 
in the last two games of the season. Now, we don't have 10 offensive linemen. You know what I'm saying? We got five or six. So if we lose three, then it's like, you know, okay, all hands on deck. I got a tight end playing tackle or I got it. You know what I'm saying? So that's been the hardest thing. And, and it's just, you know, when you only have so many kids in the school, you just don't have that depth. And that's, you know, we're trying to, to improve our depth, but it, you know, it's hard. And, but again, if you, if you gave me a choice and you said, okay, Scott, you can go down to division um, and, or you can stay where you are. Ten times out of ten, I'll say I, I want to stay where we are. I want to play the best, and I just I'll figure. You know, we're going to figure out how to how to make it work. Because that brings out the best in the kids as well. Because we as coaches and teachers constantly talk to the kids about raising the bar in no matter what it is and how to deal with adversity. And that's, I think that's a great example to set for kids. And the kids want to do it too. There's no fun in beating somebody 72 to nothing. No. Yeah. And, 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 and again, it's another, I, I talk about, you know, everyone says life and football and, they, and then I try to stay away from that because it's a lot more, especially we know now the way things are going these days, um, you know, life is life. Football's football, but you can learn some things from football and other sports and other things. And, and, you know, just really challenging yourself and then facing the music and then dealing with consequences either way. You know, I think that's an important thing I know as a, as a, as a father and a husband, I mean, there are challenges all the time and, and you can't, you know, you can't look for the easy way out. You got to look for the, 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 you got to challenge yourself and, and I, I think it's good lessons for them. And I, and I know that when they leave Sarah, they, you know, they have that idea of, okay, well, you know what? I, I went up, I, get, I took my swings against the best and, and I feel good about that. You mentioned earlier, your father played at UCLA. You're a UCLA guy. And you mentioned the, the catch your father made in 65 to beat USC. And, and you've been said that you've got that pipeline of kids to USC. When you look at all the Sarah kids that have gone to USC and you being a UCLA guy, and, and we've had this conversation over the years, how does that set with you when you see all these kids go to UCL, go to USC? It's, you know, I get, I get that question a lot. And, um, and the thing is, it's, it, it's like one of those things about being a parent, right? It's like sometimes you, you have to do, you got to do what's best for the kid, right? Over what you want in a lot of ways. I think that's what being a parent is, right? Um, you're, you're given, you know, that's what you do. Well, in, in this situation, I don't, I really, I really try to be as impartial as I can because I want my players to go where they want to go. I just do. I just, if I remember, and I won't say the name way back when I, I had a kid and I really thought that this kid should go to this school. And I think I kind of like, pushed a little bit and I think he you know and, and and when I think he wanted to go somewhere else but I didn't think it was a good fit and I kind of got in the way a little bit I you know maybe maybe not I my wife says I'm crazy but um but I felt like I did and the kid was miserable and he didn't like it and I felt really guilty and I said okay this is this is not what my job is my job is to is to one teach him how to play football to, to help him you know become young you know great young men and then really to get an opportunity to go to college, right? And 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 where they want to go is where I want them to go, right? And and so I kind of try to assess what they want, and then I want to try to help them get there, right? And if it's to go to that other school, 
then you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I remember the the Woody story. Robert Woods. He was um uh, I was at the he was at the U.S. Army game, and he was um you know he's just having fun. I was I was there as an assistant coach, I think. Um and and it's right when Pete Carroll left to go to uh, the the Seahawks and and Woody was you know like Woody came and he said, Coach, I said, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I and I've called SC like three times and nobody's answering. Da, 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 da. I don't know what to do. What should I do? And I'm like, I go, what what do you want? He goes, I want to go to SC. I go, and I and I had this little you know devil on my shoulders moment where I'm thinking, hmm, <laughs> what an amazing kid. Uh, this would be a really good time to make a call to Westwood and whatever. Um, but I asked him that question, where do you want to go? And, uh, that's what he said. So I ended up, I called, uh, Kenny Norton, who I knew pretty well. And I said, Kenny, you gotta, I mean, Woody's freaking out, man. You gotta talk to him. I mean, if you guys want him, you gotta, you know, you gotta, he's, he's worried, which I'm sure a lot of people were. And I'm sure that the reason they hadn't yet was because they were doing that a lot to a lot of people at that time. But I called him and I said, this is, this is, he wants this. So, you know, you guys need to make it happen. And they say, coach, I got it. Thanks. And they did, and it, the rest is history. Now, today, I look at it and I go, man, what if, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. If, you know, uh, but it's not what he wanted. So, I mean, and and he deserved it. He's such a great kid. Not kidding anymore. Yeah, he's such a great young man that he deserved that, you know? And, and, and it was really about him and SC. It had nothing to do with me. I just wanted to do whatever I could to help reconnect them. And so that's what I did. And because that's what was supposed to happen. So I think that kind of, sums up my 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 part in recruiting right if my if the kid says he wants to do this then i want to help him get there right i just had a kid who uh devin kirkwood who committed to ucla and i you know he had he had sc as an option in notre dame and michigan and all these places and um he's like coach i think i want to commit i go where do you want to commit to he goes i really want to commit to ucla but do you think i should and i'm like okay <laughs> i didn't know what to do i'm like all right uh how do i not like jump out of my skin here but i just said listen um i want you to talk to your mom i want you to talk to the coach i want you to you know I'll, I'll call chip and 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 see where where everything is and everything was 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 up they everyone was everything was great they, they were very excited about him they really wanted him he really wanted to go there. He's a really smart kid you know, and, and he wants, you know, wants football and, and even more football. He wants to, you know, he wants that education and it just worked out. And so I, I really tried to make it work. You know, I tried to help him out whatever I could. And, uh, but it was, again, it was all him. He earned it and they wanted him and it's what he wanted. So in this case, it's a, you know, it was a win, <laughs> but it's, you know, sometimes it goes the other way and, uh, you know, it's what I got to do. And that's okay because we're all rooting for the kids anyway. That's and it, you yeah. You've had so many move on to the next level at various colleges at every level. All those guys in the NFL, when they come back to school and talk to your kids, and what type of advice do they give them? Because you know this, I know this. Every kid thinks they're going to the league. Every kid thinks they're going D1. But how realistic are they when they come back to talk to the kids about how difficult it is and how good the players at those levels are? It's a great question, Tony, because uh, we we uh, have these like uh, youth camps that I run about four of them in the usually in the, the late winter, early spring. And, um, you know, we invite sixth, seventh and eighth graders. They come to we usually get about 100, 100 and something kids. And I always bring one or two of those guys back. Right. And la la not last year, because last year COVID got us. But the year before, Adoree was at one of them. And I remember him talking to the to the 
the kids afterwards. And he just basically said, he said, listen, I, he, cause, cause Adoree came over after he, into his freshman year, he was in East St. Louis, um, at a, at a school, um, in, in uh, East St. Louis, Illinois. And he came as a freshman, he transferred to LA and he just wanted, he wanted to compete. He wanted to, you know, he wanted to change his thing. He had family living out here. So and he talked about, he said, you know what? He said, he learned, the thing he learned here was that you can't hide from it, that you, and, and if you try or you try to fool yourself, it will find you. Maybe it doesn't find you in high school. Maybe even it doesn't find you in college, but it will find you. And you've got to really be true to yourself. And how hard am I working? How, what am I doing to get better? And that's, that's really just a fantastic thing that he said, because it is the truth. Right. And that's kind of part of what we kind of like we preach here. And, and Adore said it without even like, you know, just without anything. I just said, you know, say whatever you want to say. And he said it. And it's and it's really what, you know, it, eventually in anything. Right. You, you, the, the, the light's going to shine on you. And you if you put in the work, then it's going to pay off. Right. And, and, and that was what he said. And I, I think that, you know, to me, that was a huge lesson. And, and what a great lesson for the kids. And to hear it from somebody that's, that is there that sees it on a regular basis and right. kind of puts that in perspective. And then hopefully the kids hear that and then they start working a little bit harder for, for you and your program. Yeah, that's the, that's the goal. And, you know, that we, we talk about it when I talk about kids coming into Sarah. I always tell, you know, I say, hey, we want the kid that doesn't look at the depth chart and see an opening. We want a kid that looks at the depth chart it says, oh, I want to beat that guy out because he's really good. That's the one we want. We don't want the first one who's just looking, oh, we don't have a something, so I want to go there. We want the one that wants to unseat that person, right? And um, and and that, I think, is 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 a good lesson in life. Uh, well, Coach, this this has been fantastic for me. I, I always love talking to you. I love coming down, seeing football played on a grass field, and I, I hope you guys don't ever – go to turf because I, I love standing on grass and seeing football and grass stains and mud. Um, but I want to thank you for taking the time to do this. I've got five off the wall questions to ask you before I let you go. And this okay. has to do with food and the family barbecue theme. All right. Who does, who does the grilling you or someone else? Actually, My wife does the grilling. She's a, a big she's the griller, which is, I, you know, I started grilling, but she's a, an amazing cook. So she said she's on the grilling. I know that's not a, it's not the, the way it's supposed to go, but she's all on the grill. All right. If she's grilling and making hamburgers and hot dogs, what are you eating? Hamburger, hot dog, or both? Oh, both. One of each. There's no <laughs> doubt. I'm, I'm, I'm not getting cheated. Cheese on the burger. Yes or no. And what type of cheese? No, no cheese. I'm not, I'm a no cheese guy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little bit, like not rare, but a little light, lightly cooked uh, burger. I like it a little rarer than normal, but um, no cheese. All right. Onions, yes or no, raw oh. or grilled? Grilled onions, no doubt. Un yeah, this has got to have it. And uh, buns toasted, yes or no? Uh, you know, it depends. If it's, if it's a, your standard uh, supermarket bun, then I'm toasting it. But if it's a, you know, one of those artisans, something that somebody's done, then, you know, I'm going to let it. I'm going to let it speak for itself and go just with the bun. We're going to go a little bourgeois there with that fancy bun, right? <laughs> exactly. I'm going to let it, I'm going to let it, you know, if I'm going to pay for it, I want to, I want to taste it in its uh, natural habitat. I don't want to cook it up at all. 
No way. Don't want to ruin it. Well, Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, you know, let's all, I, we want to have a season, man. I hope that this takes a turn for the better and we can get out and do some games and, and uh, Dave and I can come down and, and see the Cavalier program at its finest. I appreciate it, Tony. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. It's a, it's been a tough year, but uh, you know, our kids, they're working hard now. Just being together is a, is a big deal. And then, so that's why I think the biggest part of this is giving the opportunity for these kids to kind of be together and, and work out. And uh, you know, I think it's missed when they're, everyone's at home. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, Tony. I hope we, I hope we can get done. Yeah. Coach, we're all hoping for that. And, you know, the social aspect for these kids is the most important thing. So uh, thank you for taking the time for everybody else out there. You know, let's hope these numbers go down. Let's hope that we get these kids back in school and, and we have these sports seasons. So um, until the next time, thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.